0: Happy NFL Draft Week, everybody. Welcome into the Atlanta Enquirer podcast. I'm Jeremy Warner, Alana Enquirer publisher. I used to be nuts about the NFL Draft. Uh, I don't know why. I think it was, you know, I was more of an NFL fan than a college fan growing up, but you just always loved the hope that the NFL Draft brought. And as a young Bears fan, always looking for that next hope, whether it was Cade McNown or whether it was Rex Grossman. Uh, we traded out of the fourth pick that year. Should have drafted Terrell Suggs. Uh, whether it's Mitch Trubisky, right? You're just hoping that this is the day that turns around your franchise. I was pretty pumped about the Kyle Orton pick, to be honest with you. And that one actually ended up working pretty well uh, for a fourth round investment. But that is why we love the NFL draft. There's hope, right? And even more so than the NFL, than the NBA draft, even though I love the NBA and I love the college basketball and 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 that whole process. We kind of know who the great players are. Like you can find somebody really good in the second round, like Nikola Jogic, or you can find, you know, somebody at number twelve that should have gone in the top five, like Donovan Mitchell, uh, or Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? You can find that kind of guy. So there's always a little bit of hope, but it's not as it's it's way more rare for that to happen in the NBA than the NFL, right? Like you can find a Hall of Famer, second round, fourth round. And as we know, maybe the greatest quarterback of all time at pick 199, right, in the sixth round. So that that is why the NFL draft is so much fun. It's, I think, less of an exact science than the NBA, even though the NBA is not uh, certainly that. But it also molds melds the college and the NFL game, right? Like, I, you got two passionate fan bases, and there's a lot of overlap. College football fans generally have an NFL team, NFL fans, You know, some have college football teams as well, but you get all of them together uh, on this weekend. Um, But I was nuts about the draft when I was a kid. Ask my mom. It was my holiday. It was my Christmas day. After I kind of, you know, after you're 12, 13 years old, you kind of know what Christmas is every year. um, The NFL draft, that Saturday, Sunday was my weekend. My mom used to, you know, get food just for that day. Like I do nothing but sit in front of the TV and watch these NFL drafts. And I was such a nerd about it. I'd have like five NFL draft guides that I'd have. I'd be an expert on this. I'd do mock drafts on my own. I even remember myself when I was a little kid, guys, or a teenager, young teenager, um, building like a website around the Bears draft, like GeoCities website. I'd, I'd build it and I'd do a mock draft about the Bears and and my thoughts and analysis. That's how I kind of got started in this industry, I'm not as into it anymore. Like I pay attention to it. I'll be watching it. I'm certainly covering it uh, from the Illinois perspective. But um, I remember my first NFL draft that I really remember is 1997 because I remember the Bears took John Allred in the second round. But mostly I remember the Bears traded their first-round draft pick uh, to the Seattle Seahawks, I believe it was, for Rick Meyer, who everyone already knew was washed up. Uh, but the Bears, I believe, had traded – for that pick, or was that the year before? I can't remember. Uh, But it was ridiculous that we gave up a first-round draft pick for Rick Meyer, and that didn't end up working very well. But then growing up, just the drafts of of Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf, certainly remember that one. One of the first ones I really watched was the year Ditka traded up for Ricky Williams, and he had all those quarterbacks, Donovan McNabb, Akili Smith. Uh, The Bears passed on an opportunity to draft Champ Bailey at number seven because they traded down, and they took Cade McNown. Right, Dante Culpepper went in that draft as well, um, but I really, really got into it uh, then, and I, I can go through all of these drafts and just have fond memories of it. Uh, but Illinois uh, has not had uh, many draft picks here recently, but that should change uh, this year. We should have Illinois having a draft pick, or maybe two, or maybe three. Uh, that could be drafted. But it's been four out of the last seven years Illinois has not had a draft pick, and that certainly tells you a lot about why the program has struggled. They have had, not had enough next-level talent, certainly have had some good players, uh, but they need to keep upgrading that talent. Lovey Smith's first recruiting class, though, does have some of those guys. Next year they have some guys that potentially could be drafted, and then Brett Bielema has to build on that. But on today's podcast, we talk about the NFL Draft with an expert, CBS Sports' Josh Edwards. Just like me, was a nerd about the NFL Draft growing up, and he helps me break down the 2021 NFL Draft. We talk a lot about the quarterbacks, of course, because this is a quarterback-heavy first-round and likely a quarterback-heavy top 10. Possibly five guys uh, going in the top 10 potentially four going in the top four. So I get his thoughts on the quarterbacks from Trevor Lawrence to Mac Jones uh, to the Big Ten's Justin Fields. We talk about that. Um, talk about potentially a Bears quarterback. Sorry if you're not a Bears fan. I had to ask because we're constantly looking uh, for a quarterback. So I asked him who the Bears should target is potentially the sixth quarterback to go, whether that's second or third round. And then we get into the Illini draft prospects as well. Kendrick Green, Josh and Matt Torrebebe, Nate Hobbs. Everyone knows I'm a Nate Hobbs fan. And Josh gives me reason to, to still believe. And I still do believe in Nate Hobbs being a, a real impact NFL player and an NFL talent. And uh, Josh gives a breakdown of him and Milo Eifler as well. So we come back. Without further ado, Josh Edwards on the 2021 NFL draft and the quarterback prospects involved, and the Illini prospects involved. That's next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. All right, let's get an expert take on this NFL draft and the Illini draft prospects, because there are multiple this year. That hasn't always been the case here recently. Uh, But Josh Edwards covers the NFL draft for CBS Sports. Josh, thanks for uh, joining us. How, How do you feel just a couple days before draft day? As a kid, this was like my biggest day of the year. What's this like for somebody who covers it?
1: Similar feelings, man. I mean, I think most people that follow the draft did grow up watching it and, uh, you know, watching every pick with just immense uh, anticipation because it truly is the one time of year where every fan base can kind of sell themselves on the idea that this one player or these couple of players might be the difference in us competing for a Super Bowl in the next couple of years. So, you know, everybody has high optimism when they go through the draft. Um, and I think that's what makes it so, so exciting because every fan base can kind of come together for this one event.
0: Even Bears fans like myself, uh, even though that's usually not the case. <laughs> well, I'm a
1: Browns fan, so I don't, you know, it's <laughs> not true. much better there.
0: There you go. Uh, it's been better for you recently, but yes, it's been a long history and, and the quarterback, uh, for both those teams, uh, has always been an issue, but I mean, as always, Josh, the quarterbacks dominate the talk of this draft, but it feels like there's reason for it this year. Like, it's not a stretch. Um, Just what do you think about this quarterback class generally?
1: I think it is a really good quarterback class. It's interesting the way the narrative has kind of evolved. Um, at the beginning of this process, it was simply, you know, there's, there's five guys. I mean, I don't know how many of them are franchise players. Um, and now we're talking about four that are probably top 10 caliber players and a fifth that's probably going to be taken in the first round. So, Um, You know, I like to say that that there's two kinds of NFL teams. There's those that have a quarterback, and there are those that are searching for a quarterback uh, because it is the most important position in the NFL. Uh, And if you don't have one, you're realistically not going to have a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. So uh, at the end of the day, you have to have that position solved for everything else to work. Um, And this is the most intriguing draft in that regard that we've seen since 2018 Uh, with the Baker Mayfield, the Josh Rosen, the Josh Allen, the Sam Darnold, the Lamar Jackson class. Um, This is the first time we're going to see five quarterbacks taken in the first round since that time. And it could be the first time in NFL history that we see quarterbacks taken with the first four picks.
0: Which would be crazy. Absolutely crazy. Okay, Josh, how long have you been covering the draft?
1: So full-time, it's only been a couple of years now. Um, And then, you know, my interest obviously dates back to when I was growing up as well. And then for 24-7 sports, I did it kind of in a part-time role uh, for the better part of three years. So um, about five years, all told.
0: Okay. So how would you – where would Trevor Lawrence rank of the quarterbacks you've scouted?
1: Oh, the quarterbacks that I've scouted, he's, he's definitely top of the list. Um, and I don't know, you know, how prideful I am to say this at this point, but Sam Darnold was previously my highest. Mm. Um, and I still think Sam has a chance to be successful, but, uh, you know, if placed in the right situation, of course, but, um, Trevor Lawrence is just special. I mean, he's got incredible size to go along with the fact that, you know, he's got a good arm. He understands how to read defenses. He's more mobile than probably the average fan would think that he is. Um, You know, coming out of Clemson, the fans that are not familiar with watching him play may be surprised to see how elusive and how quick that he actually is um, when he pulls the ball down. So he's really got everything that you look for in the position. He's right up there with uh, the Andrew Lux, the John Elways, the Peyton Mannings that we had seen previously.
0: How far down that list would Zach Wilson be? Because I don't know how many Big Ten fans, like you know, people listening to this podcast, most likely tuned into a BYU game over the last couple of years. But people talk about Zach Wilson, and, and obviously the Jets are not moving that pick because they think he's pretty special. So uh, how, how how closely do you put him in that tier?
1: I so based on the grades, I would have to go back and look on Sam Darnold, but. If I remember correctly, he would be a little bit lower than Sam Darnold, but still very comparable. I think he would be my third quarterback of the group because I am a big Zach Wilson fan. I mean, he's a natural passer of the football. Um, Some of the stuff that he is able to do just comes so naturally to him. I mean, it's similar to what we see from Aaron Rodgers, um, which, you know, may not be received well on, you know, the the (laughs) podcast with, uh, you know, Illinois and talking to uh, a lot of Bears fans, but, um, just Aaron Rodgers with his ability as a passer. I mean, he does everything so naturally. Uh, the way that he's able to create torque with his lower body and you know make some of those accurate downfield throws. We see a lot of the same stuff with Zach Wilson. Um, now there's obviously concerns about the competition that he's played. Uh, there were similar concerns with Carson Wentz, and there's similar concerns with Trey Lance. Sometimes it matters, other times it doesn't. I mean, it's that, that's the that's the funniest part of all of this because as much as we want to say you know, player X or player Y is going to be successful. A lot of it is determined by where they land. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, would Sam Darnold have been in a better situation if he had gone to Buffalo or if he had gone to Cleveland at this point? Um, We don't, we don't know. So for him to end up in that situation was kind of difficult for him. Um, And I think Trevor Lawrence is probably a player that can, you know, exceed those limits um, Zach Wilson, I'm not as confident. Uh, there's definitely concerns about going all the way to New York, but at the end of the day, I think just because of his ability to make plays so naturally, um, he's, he's a, he's a pretty, pretty, uh, highly regarded quarterback in my eyes.
0: So Josh, how do you kind of sort out the rest of that top five quarterback group? How do you, you know, uh, put them three, four, five there?
1: Yeah, again, I think this, that's what makes this so interesting, because depending on who you ask, two through five, you know, it could be entirely flipped. Um, everybody has a different opinion on how these quarterbacks should be stacked. Um, so for me, I've got Zach Wilson at number two. I've got Justin Fields at number three. Um, I've got Trey Lance at number four. But the gap between Justin Fields and Trey Lance is very slim. Um, and I have first round grades on all four of those guys. Then I have Mac Jones, who is considered, you know, a top 32 player for me, but he doesn't have a first round grade. And that simply means, you know, I I think that he could be a very good player. But is he going to reach that elite tier of, you know, top five, potentially even top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL? I just have my doubts, Mm -hmm. um, simply put. So that's why he's a little bit lower for me. uh, But I still think he can be a very good NFL player.
0: So, Josh, uh, Bears fans who are at number 20 and uh, realistically can't hope of getting one of those guys, if, if there were one more quarterback, like who, who would you hope, if you're a Bears fan, you get whether it's second round, third round, whatever?
1: I really like Davis Mills from Stanford. I think he's got a little Baker Mayfield to his game. Um, you know, you get him in one of those motion offenses, the bootlegs. Um, where he can kind of cut the field in half and make plays uh, with the football. I mean, he's an accurate passer, um, and I think he's incredibly smart. He's obviously got a small sample size of appearances in college football, so that's something that has to be taken into consideration. There's probably going to be growing pains with whichever team drafts him. Um, But I think he offers you the best chance to be a successful NFL quarterback. Now, as you look at the history of second or third-round picks in the NFL – um, it hasn't been good except for, you know, obviously the exceptions being Colin Kaepernick and Russell Wilson and Andy Dalton. But historically, I mean, you're looking more in the Deshaun Kaiser type of trajectory than you would be a Russell Wilson.
0: Right. Yeah. That's the hard part. And that's why so many people take them in the first round, even if Mac Jones, right. if you have 32, somebody might take them uh, in the top five because the, the supply does not meet the demand. Okay. Let, let's get off the quarterbacks. Just generally, Josh, um, how does, how is the pandemic or the shortened season? Like, has, has it impacted uh, a lot for, for scouting? I know Trey Lance, it's way more than anybody else, but, uh, is that really impacted the, the way teams can kind of scout these guys?
1: To an extent, certainly, um, you know, because we didn't have the NFL combine and made it a little bit different, difficult to get some of the medicals on these guys, um, it made it difficult for scouts to be on the road to to talk to people in person uh, because, you know, NFL scouts are essentially detectives in the sense that they'll talk to the, the, uh, the janitor. They'll talk to the equipment staff. I mean, they'll talk to anybody that has ever come into contact with a prospective player just to get a little bit of insight into how that player treats the general public. You know, are they going to be well liked in our locker room? That's why you talk to those kind of people to get an idea of who they are as, as people. Um, so there wasn't that capability this year. We also obviously had the opt out situation where I don't think that's going to be a big part of the conversation, but, um, it may, depending on certain players, you know, as teams try to learn what the motivation was behind each of their decisions. Uh, with that being said, I mean, we're far removed from when Christian McCaffrey, uh, sat out a bowl game and everybody was up in arms that, you know, he, he essentially gave up on the team as, Uh, Many people framed it. And now, you know, we're seeing bowl games being skipped as as a regularity. Uh, We saw a lot of opt outs this year that, you know, probably could have played, but made the decision not to. Um, So it's just very interesting the way that the conversation has turned. Uh, But I think a lot of teams are going to rely on the tape and what they've seen of these players rather than some of the other information that maybe, you know, poisons their evaluations. Uh, it's going to be very interesting, and I think the teams that are able to overcome those disadvantages, uh, the ones that do not make excuses and find a way to adapt, are the ones that could find a way to exploit some some market irregularities.
0: It feels like we're not talking a lot of, about defensive guys this year. Like, um, who are who are the defensive guys that really stand out? Because it sounds like I mean, are we are we going to have one um, or two even go in the top ten? Seems like that's a question.
1: It's entirely possible there are zero defensive players in the top 10. Um, I would I would think that Patrick Sertan, the cornerback from Alabama, probably has the best chance. Um, I know there are some teams that favor J.C. Horn, the cornerback from South Carolina, so he has a chance to be the first defensive player taken. Micah Parsons is a pure talent, is a top 10 caliber player, uh, but there's questions about his character and stuff off the field uh, that really kind of clouds that, decision-making process. Um, Those would be the three guys. And then you've got kind of this mishmash of edge rushers, whether it's, you know, Jalen Phillips or Aziz Ojolari or Gregory Rousseau or Quiddy Pei, Jason Owe, like all of those guys have question marks. This is is not a slam dunk edge rusher class that, you know, we've seen in the past with Chase Young and the Boses and and Miles Garrett. Like this is an entirely different situation. You might get a player that is capable of reaching that ceiling, uh, but none of them, you know, are are uh, immune from from being picked apart because they do each have their own questions. It
0: feels like every year, Josh, we're saying this is a good year for wide receivers. Um, is that just the way football has gone? And and what do you think of the the top wide receivers in this class?
1: I think the NFL is is becoming closer to the college game as, as more college teams have gone to the spread, um, utilize their wide receivers more, given those players more repetitions um, as pretty much every facet of life. If you have more repetitions, you're going to be better at something. So the fact that these wide receivers are getting more opportunities means they're more comfortable catching the football. Um, they're more comfortable with what they do after the catch. So it's just become more natural. More of these guys are prepared to make an immediate impact when they come into the league than they had been prior. So this is another year where you have a fairly deep wide receiver class. Um, I don't know if it's as top heavy as, as maybe what it was last year, uh, but the depth in this class is is fairly good. I mean, we'll talk about one of the other guys later that has tremendous raw athletic ability, uh, but he still needs some fine tuning in his game if he's gonna be you know a productive, consistent NFL player.
0: The last guy I want to talk to you about before we get into uh, the Illini guys is is Kyle Pitts, six uh, foot six, two hundred forty pounds. Had a monster season last fall. Um, CBS Sports has him number four. Um, not a lot of tight ends, and I know he can be a hybrid guy and, and lined up all over the field, but not a lot of tight ends get that kind of ranking overall. Uh, what makes him so special?
1: Well, I think the the change in the NFL game allows him to be such a highly regarded player because the traditional tight end is not strictly in line anymore. Um, you know, those guys are being flexed out wide. They're being put in the slot. Uh, they're being asked to do some different things with the football. So I'm not worried about the label that anybody puts on Kyle Pitts. Um, I'm just comfortable with his ability to make plays at the catch points. Uh, and to use his body to create opportunities to make those catches., uh, just a very athletically gifted player. Um, and to me, to me is he's an interesting player. I think his his ceiling is number four to Atlanta if they decide to stay there and make that pick. I think his floor is number six at Miami um, because he's such a unique talent. I mean, you you talk about the number of tight ends in the NFL that are consistently productive. That's your Darren Wallers your George Kittles, uh, your Travis Kelseys, you know, maybe a few other guys. But all in all, that class, I mean, the tight end group is largely unimpressive. I mean, it's tougher to find a quality tight end than it would be to find a quality wide receiver. So to me, that's why he should be more in the conversation at number five to Cincinnati than Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. because you can find a really good wide receiver in the second round. You're not going to find Kyle Pitts in the second round. Um, so I think that's why their decision should be between Sewell and Ch- or Sewell and Pitts, and I would lean towards Sewell in that situation. But honestly, like Pitts should go four, five, or six, and he shouldn't be available any later than that because he is such a gifted player at a position that we just don't see that kind of quality widespread.
0: All right, Josh, let's talk a little bit about the Illinois prospects. And, you know, the last couple of years, I, I haven't been able to go in saying, yeah, I think an Illini is definitely going to get drafted. Um, and, and some are higher on him than others, but most have Kendrick Green, who is a first team All Big Ten guard at Illinois, played some center as well, have him as, as a draft pick. Um, what do you think about Kendrick Green as, as a prospect for the NFL?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I like him a lot. There was one game that I was watching. Um, I think it was Northwestern this past year. I made a note that his jersey was the only one dirty among all offensive linemen. Um, he, I mean, he looked like he had just gotten out of a, a mud wrestling match um, compared to these other guys that just looked like they were coming out of the locker room. Um, you know, really physical player, uh, does a good job of sealing backside pursuit. I mean, he's got a strong upper body. He's got the versatility to play guard or center. Um, he can do a better job of hand placement and anchoring his hands. Uh, but I think his athletic ability gives him a chance to be successful if he ends up in the right situation, um, which, again, is is ultimately what it comes down to for most of these guys. If you end up with a coach that knows how to, you know, elevate your weaknesses to the point where they are not going to be these glaring issues in the course of a game, Uh, you could be a really good NFL player. I mean, even some of the most successful NFL players have their weaknesses. It's just their ability to mask those weaknesses. Um, So I hope that he ends up in a right situation where he's going to be able to excel. Uh, I probably am a little lower on him than others, but that still equates to, you know, a fourth or a fifth round grade. Um, I think he's probably going to go in round three though Hmm. uh, because of the versatility that he brings. And, you know, there's, there's just a very vocal supporting cast uh, of players in green's corner
0: yeah and it seems like zone blocking scheme uh, would be the right fit for him right um, if so why?
1: Yeah, I would like to see because he has good mobility um, first and foremost is why he would be a good transition to a zone blocking scheme. I would like to see him do a better job of, of locking on to targets at the second level because mm-hmm. uh, when he's asked to pull he's going to be asked to do that uh, in a lot of cases. So I would like to see him be, you know, better with his hands and his feet to, to marry those two in space. Um, but as regards to his athleticism, I mean, I think zone blocking scheme or, you know, really even a power scheme is, is going to be an option for him.
0: All right. Another guy, as you said, um, has all the physical tools and boy, he's, uh, he's really impressive on the hoof. That's Josh Bebe, former four-star prospect. Didn't do much at USC, had some injuries, but comes to Illinois and uh, proved to be a number one wideout for Illinois. And, and not maybe one of the top guys in the Big Ten, but uh, certainly a guy that got all Big Ten consideration. Um, obviously had a really good pro day with his vertical jump, which was out of this world, and and a good 40. What do you think of Josh Bebe as a prospect?
1: Yeah, very very athletically gifted player. Um, you know, he's definitely going to get a shot in training camp somewhere if he does not get drafted. Uh, but I think this is a guy that certainly has the raw traits to, um, to make a case for being drafted. Uh, now the, the, the other side of that is there's a few other guys that look the part, but just don't have the production or maybe have some weaknesses Um in a similar category, and that's Georgia Tech's Jalen Camp, uh, LSU's Racy McMath, a couple of guys that certainly looked the part, but just haven't taken it to the next level the way that you would hope yet. Um, so, you know, he, he he's obviously a big, fast, physical guy. Uh, that was evidence at his pro day. He he's a good blocker, uh, but he looks a little stiff in his breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his route running needs some work. He makes some good contested catches. He's physical. I mean, there's a lot to like about the player. Uh, It's just a matter of, you know, when you're having these conversations among NFL teams, you're talking to the wide receivers coach and you're saying, Hey, you know, this is where we think this guy can improve. Do you feel like this is something that you can improve upon? Uh, Is this something that you, you know, you have a specific plan for him to come in um, and to follow your plan and to become a better player. Like, is that an option? Is that a path for us? And I think that's his, his best case scenario, but, um, there's a few other guys that, you know, have fewer weaknesses, um, in a similar body structure. So it's going to be interesting to see how those guys come off the board. Uh, but I do feel very confident that he's going to be given a shot somewhere.
0: Yeah. Uh, Another guy that I have long been high on and I get some uh, criticism from people uh, at our site about it is is Nate Hobbs, who I understand at this point is 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 a borderline draft pick. Um, But boy, he's got elite physical traits or or NFL physical traits, that's for sure. Um, And and he seemed like he was pretty good against the run. But uh, I'll be the first to admit he really struggled at times as a senior. Uh, What's your take on, on Nate Hobbs?
1: So I think you're probably closer to being spot on than than maybe the fan base thinks because coming into the year, I was told he had a third to fifth round grade. Hmm. Um, obviously, didn't have a very good 2020 season. That was something that, uh, you know, was very disappointing to him. But to come back, uh, perform the way he did at his pro day, he's kind of trending up again. I mean, he, he's a guy that's getting a little buzzed to the point where, I don't think he's going to get to the fourth round, but that fifth, that sixth round, I think it becomes a possibility. Wow. Um, he's at an interception each of the past three years. So uh, he's got good size. Uh, at the end of the day, I think this is probably a guy that ends up being drafted somewhere
0: on day three. Wow. That's good news for Nate because he's, he's shown talent. Um, it's just, yeah, the, the coverage at times has been a little suspect. Uh, and then one more guy who had a good pro day. I've seen him more. Josh is a, is a great athlete more than, good football player so far that we can certainly make some impact plays linebacker meal Eifler. What do you think of him?
1: Yeah, he's probably going to go undrafted. I think, um, there was, I, I was watching one game this past year and I was like, okay, this, this has to be him that I'm watching make these plays looks pretty good. And I, I found out it was, it was not him. Uh, so that was, that's always a little disappointing when you, <laughs> you think you're looking at a five and, you know, you end up seeing a six or a different number <laughs> uh, and then you kind of have to go back and start over. But, um, you know, a guy that's has limited production, quite frankly, uh, you know, whether that's fitting run gaps or rushing the passer, um, you know, he's got decent size, six foot two, 225. Uh, but I think there's probably an uphill battle for him to get drafted.
0: I know these are deep dives, Josh Edwards, CBS Sports, so I, I appreciate you breaking down each of these prospects. But uh, I do think, as you said, it sounds like Illinois is going to have maybe one or multiple players be drafted, which is a positive sign for the program. But, uh, Josh, appreciate the insight and, and have a great time uh, covering and just enjoying the draft. Because I know it was one of the great things about last year in the middle of this pandemic, and, and now as we start to come out of it a little bit, uh, it should be fun yet again.
1: No question. It's, it's an exciting time. Um, You know, I'm excited for all of these fan bases to get a little bit of that optimism here in the off season, especially, you know, with as, as uh, you know, dark and gloomy as the past year has appeared at times. Uh, I, I just hope this week can kind of be a little bit of a reprieve from all of that. And we kind of get back to our roots and are really able to enjoy three solid days in Cleveland.
0: Great stuff. Thank you, Josh.
1: You got it. Thank you.
0: Great stuff from Josh Edwards, CBSSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at EdwardsCBS. And no, I did not just go find the Nate Hobbs guy. That's about as high as I've heard somebody on Nate Hobbs. I will tell you this one little story, though. Uh, when I first met Joey Bose, right, the the former strength and conditioning coach, he was there, he was Lovey Smith's first uh, strength and conditioning coach, uh, was there before oh. Lou Hernandez. Um, I sat down with him, and I think I can tell this story now. Since Nate is, is going to the NFL draft, and Joey is now Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals, he said this guy tests through the through the roof. He goes, this guy should be an NFL draft pick, and if not, a very high NFL draft pick. He said he's got he's got the talent to eventually be a first round guy. And I liked Nate Hobbs, as a high school prospect. When I heard that from a guy who had a lot of credibility, I wanted to take a closer look at Nate when he got here, and you know, he was out for most of the. First training camp with, with mono, nucleosis, and missed all of that, and he still started um, almost every game as a freshman. Got better as a sophomore, got better as a junior. As a senior, is great against the run. Just uh, I think everyone's got David Bell implanted in their head, had a couple other breakdowns and coverage that, that the senior year just didn't work out as well for him. But you look at his measurables, uh, you look at his experience, uh, his measurables are up there. With a lot of these top NFL draft prospects, he's just got to improve other areas of his game: uh, consistency, um, you know, technique, all of those things. Uh, but he still has a high ceiling. Anyway, Joshua Baby certainly has a chance. Um, there's a lot of receivers like him, but it's great that you know a guy that two years ago was kind of questioning himself uh, now has put himself back with the opportunity he had at Illinois, making the most of it. He's put himself back into that draft conversation, right? He's a top 247 prospect. Now he's got a chance to go in the top 259 uh, all the picks there of the NFL draft. And of course, Kendrick Green, man that, that's what you want at Illinois. You want to get these in-state kids, these top 10, top 12 in-state kids, get them through your program and develop them and get them to the NFL. And and you hope Vidarian Lowe can be that next year. You hope Alex Pelcheski, uh can be that next year. And you look at next year's team You know, I don't know how many guys on this team have like day one or day two potential? Uh, I think Viderian Lowe has, has a high ceiling, as a left tackle, and he's played so much in the Big Ten. He's been an all-Big Ten you know, honorable mention guy the last couple of years. I think he's got another level he can hit, and, and I think he can be probably the best prospect on this team. Palceski, I think, maybe moves inside next year and plays guard, but before his injury, I thought he could be a, a late NFL draft pick. Roderick Perry... I thought had a chance this year, but he had the injury. I thought it was smart for him to come back, take advantage of that, get more Big Ten film. Only had six games last year. Isaiah Gay and Owen Carney. I think Gay's really got talent. Carney, not as fast, but uh, definitely productive last year. Jake Hanson, don't know if he's a draft pick, but he's going to get into a camp, and all he does is produce. Tony Adams could be another borderline guy, but a good athlete. Maybe not a great athlete, but a good athlete. who has got some versatility. Of course, Blake Hayes kind of put into that mix. Brandon Peters would have to have a pretty good year to get drafted. But he looks like an NFL quarterback, doesn't he? Like, you know, 6'5", 220 pounds, mobile. Um, but he certainly has to be a, a lot more consistent and have a big season on the field to do that. Daniel Barker, Luke Ford, um, I, I think eventually have a chance at that next level as well. So I don't know like how many givens you have in that group. But you certainly have a lot more guys with the chance, right, to to play at the next level. And I think it starts with those offensive linemen. And neglected to say, Doug Kramer uh, at center. I, I don't know, you know, a little undersized, not as fast, not as quick as as Kendrick Green, but might have a chance to get into a camp. But I think Viderio Lowe's got a good likelihood of getting drafted if he continues to improve as much as the staff uh, say he has. And, and what a story! Uh, he would be with everything he's gone through with the young family. And Joey Wagner wrote a good story on him. Um, so Illinois has got more guys that can do that, and Brett Biuma has got to continue to load up on that kind of talent because you got to have that. Uh, you got to have next-level guys if you're going to compete in the Big Ten and the Big Ten West. All right, appreciate you guys listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. As always, give us a follow wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a follow. We always appreciate that. Rate us, review us as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. Enjoy the NFL draft. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast.